What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Brendan Burns here, and you are listening to the first episode in a three-part podcast series on how I quit pornography. And if you've never heard my story before, you're going to hear a little bit about my backstory today with the struggles that I've personally had with pornography for the past 20 years. And then I'm going to talk about how I even realized it was problematic in my life. And then some of the key initial steps I took towards quitting. In the second part, you'll hear me talk about how I actually quit all the key steps there. And then in the third part, you'll hear about my maintenance plan for going forward. But this is a really important episode because whether you are looking at pornography regularly once in a while, or you know someone who is or who has struggled with that in the past, maybe this is an episode you can listen to to support them. Or if you're listening and maybe your boyfriend or husband or someone is dealing with it, I really encourage you to hear this one out because pornography use, especially hardcore internet pornography use in this country and in this world in 2021 is become way too normalized. And it's a drug. It lights up dopamine and all the chemicals in your brain, the way other drugs like heroin and alcoholism do. And it's a problem. Um, And I'll, I'll just say it was a problem for me. So I don't want to go tell you that you need to go look at it. I'm just going to tell you my story and what I did that helped me overcome it. And I'm not like I've been sober from this for like 20 years. This is a relatively recent thing for me. I haven't looked at it in maybe five, six months. And uh, it's the longest streak of my life. So this is still new. I've had longer streaks probably in the past or certainly other streaks But this is really permanent now. At least I believe I can't say it is. But I want to talk to you about porn, three-part series on how I quit. So let's start with the backstory here. How did porn become, how did it hijack my life? Which it really did. It ultimately wound up hijacking who I was as a person, my day-to-day life. And it starts with me being very, very young. Like we're talking five years old. And... I'm in my house with my parents on Long Island in New York. Uh, They're fighting a lot. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of abuse between the two of them. I'm an only child until I'm about five and my brother comes along. So I'm very alone, isolated, feeling unloved. And I remember being in my room in my house and there was a cable box. This is before the days of YouTube TV and all these virtual digital streaming services. So there was an actual cable box that had the basic cable channels. And then there was options if you wanted to watch a movie on pay-per-view or you wanted to order a boxing match or you wanted to look at some adult stuff, you would click through a couple screens and you'd purchase it. 
And at the age of somewhere in the, in the neighborhood of five or six, I discovered that this is something you could do. And there was, I believe, a Playboy channel. It was some kind of adult channel where you would click through, you'd purchase it, maybe it'd be $9 or $7 or 20, whatever it cost. And then you would be able to watch one of these movies. And my recollection of all this is, is pretty vague, especially compared to when I started to regularly look at pornography and act out with it starting at the age of 14. But there was this isolated experience that I had and in behavior I engaged in around the age of five, where for probably a sequence of a few months, if I had to guess, I was regularly ordering these movies. And I also wonder if that was in tandem with an experience of sexual abuse that happened to me by a classmate of mine, a guy who was also in like kindergarten with me. So I really wonder, I'm even thinking out loud, was it that? Was it all the just trauma and abuse in my household? Was it both? Was it something else? But for whatever reason, I started ordering these videos and watching them. And I would also kind of compulsively order other stuff too, like pay-per-view, like premium movies or like WWF, it was called back then, like pay extra to watch the big matches. But it was predominantly this adult content. And I guess I'd never really thought through the consequences of that in terms of my parents obviously getting a bill from the cable company about it. And eventually that happened and they confronted me with a bill for like, $400 or something, which this is a 19, early 1990s. So I'm at, I don't know, maybe it's like 700 or thousand dollars comes in the mail bill. And my parents came to me and they said, you know, what is this? And I denied it. I remember just saying, I don't know that I have no idea. It wasn't me obviously lying. And my parents didn't really disciplined me for that. We never talked about it. I felt like it was just kind of swept under the rug. I kind of rec have a recollection of my father being angry at me a little bit about it, but I think my parents were like so in shock about it and maybe didn't even have the emotional capacity to deal with this situation because they were both struggling in their own lives and with each other so much. But that just kind of got swept under the rug. And that was my first experience with pornography. Um, I don't have a strong recollection of it. Maybe I blocked that experience out because I'm so ashamed of what I did. But that was my initial foundational experience with porn. Now, I don't really remember looking at it or doing much else. Occasionally, a neighbor would show me a Playboy magazine, didn't really get in, into that much. But then when I was in middle school, it sort of resurrected along with going through puberty and then also right around when I turned 13, 14, this is like 2000, 2001, the uh, high-speed internet change happened. So everything went from 56K dial-up, AOL, you know, those noises, I'm not going to even try to make them, to, uh, you know, cable modems. And so that transition, the whole world adopting high-speed internet, internet pornography starting to become a thing, that was right when I stepped into kind of like consistently, regularly, I don't know if it was daily or every other day, something of that nature, really starting to engage with and consume internet pornography and acting out via masturbation. So from that point of being sort of 13, 14 until a couple of years ago, that was just kind of my behavior that I, I was, I thought it was normal. I, I never really thought much of it until 
I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. And I'll, I'll share more about how that came to light. But this engagement with porn starting around 13, 14, 15 was what I called my sort of perceived safe space. It's how I dealt with being bullied, feeling abandoned and neglected from my parents, not having a lot of friends in elementary school or middle school. And it was just kind of like, like I developed this coping mechanism of I'm going to do this thing that feels good physically and it's an escape and I feel in control and I feel safe. And that became my sort of go-to for create feeling safe, feeling in control, feeling good physically. And then even later as it came, you know, into my mid twenties and beyond, I started working and feeling a lot of emotional overwhelm and stress of the real world when I became a young adult. And it kind of morphed into almost like a relaxation technique, a way porn became self-soothing. It became a way to release painful emotions. It became a way to relax. And that con just continued my use with it. Now, that is sort of like my backstory to porn and how I got into it and started using it. And I just, I, I just continued to do it. And I never really thought much of it. Like I was living in this world where married, I had married friends who looked at porn and even their wives did. Like it was to me, just this kind of normal thing. I never knew it was a problem for me. I never knew there was any problematic nature to it in general. And what happened was, and I've talked about this on my podcast many times, the 2013 in a relationship, woman breaks up with me, lose my investment banking job, brother goes to the hospital, turns out to be fine. But that kind of moment that started this whole journey for me, which I'm actually really grateful for, because who knows if I never woke up to my true self and doing the personal development work that I was called to do. But that initial kind of breakup and those traumatic life events when I was 25, boom, got me to my first therapist where I started doing work on myself named Beverly Engel. And I found Beverly through the book, The Emotionally Abusive Relationship, which I've talked a little bit about her and we worked together for about five years. It was life transformative. And Beverly was the one who initially kind of called me out on potentially having a porn and or sex addiction. And that was really useful. I, I believe at the time I was doing a lot of looking at a lot of pornography, dating, a lot of casual dating in New York city, going out with multiple women, sleeping around these types of things. And it was Beverly who first called this to my attention of, Hey, you might want to, I don't even think she said you might not. I think she said, Hey, I think you're a porn addict. And I think you need to really get this under control and handle it. So we started talking about that together and it was somewhat useful. But eventually we got to, I got to a breaking point where I started to track my porn use. I started to say, okay, I'm only going to do it twice this week. And it would be Wednesday and it would have already hit my quota, quote unquote. And I, I had never really had that experience of being out of control with anything in my life. Like if I wanted to, if I said, I'm going to go to the gym four times this week, I would go to the gym at least four times that week. If I said, I'm going to do X amount of hours of work or homework or whatever, if I put something on my to-do list, I got it done. And this was like the first time in my life where I was this high performer, high achiever, successful guy. And 
I was putting this thing on my to-do list and I couldn't do it. It was this feeling of out of control, this feeling of no matter how hard I try, this isn't happening. And it was a very unfamiliar feeling. And I was very confused and frustrated. And so I said, I need help. And Beverly's amazing with my personal life stuff and helping me sort through my past and my emotions, but it wasn't getting much, getting me a lot of progress in this porn addiction. So I remember being on a trip um, and I read a book, I actually listened to the audiobook. It was called Breaking the Cycle by a guy named George Collins. And it was all about sex and porn addiction and shame. And it kind of took a very spiritual approach to this whole practice. And I thought that was really different and useful. And so after reading the book, I reached out to George and he called me and he was in like San Francisco area. I was in New York at the time. And he told me he did one-on-one coaching and he could help me through this. And so as I start to kind of talk a little bit today, and then definitely in the next episode of this three-part series on how I quit porn, George was really instrumental in helping me laying the foundation for my recovery. And it wasn't what got me over the finish line. So I'll talk kind of about both of those parts, but working with George started in 2016. That was when I, like, I believe late 2016, sort of officially diagnosed, okay, I have this porn and sex addiction. Predominantly, it was sexting and pornographic use being kind of the core addictions. And he helped me a lot. We did a lot of what he called dialogues, where you dialogue with different emotions inside you and different sub-personalities. So I would sit down and I'd take out a piece of paper and say, okay, like me. And then I would look at like what I'm sort of battling with right now. So maybe at the time it would be out of control feelings. So I would say, so I'd write out like me, like, hey, out of control guy, name it. Hey, out of control guy. I'm feeling really frustrated with you. What's going on with you? An out of control guy would start to open up. We just, we don't need to be in control. Let's go act out. Let's look at porn. And you'd go back and forth and you'd write it out and you kind of get to the core of those feelings that say anger was carrying or out of control guy was carrying. And then you would learn to differentiate that subpersonality from who you were. And it would kind of help release it or convert that into something else. And I've done an episode on dialogues and there's a blog post, I believe on my website about that, brendanhburns.com, if you go to the blog section. So I'm not going to totally flesh that out, but I'll say that the dialogue technique was quite useful. And I would say that working with someone and talking about these things and also participating in an annual retreat that George held and his small group on the phone was useful once a week. So that was really laying a lot of foundation for coming out of the darkness around my addiction and around kind of do, trying to do it on my own, not realizing it was a problem and talking to other people about it. And in due time, I was able to go for longer periods of time without looking at pornography. So I'd be able to go a week, I'd be able to go a month, I'd be able to go sort of in that time period frame of up to like about a month. And that felt really new and exciting and different. And so I continued on that path and I was working with George and I was journaling about it a lot. And that was great. Now, keep in mind also, I was still, let's say during that month, I would masturbate 
ideally to like no thought whatsoever to try to remove all lust and all fantasy and just kind of do it to a physical connection to myself. So I also want to plant that seed because now it's been about 90 plus days that I haven't masturbated at all either, which is totally makes me super excited because I've always wanted to let go of that behavior too, but didn't even think that was possible. Yeah. At that point, working with George and Beverly and doing a lot of inner work did help me reduce the frequency of looking at pornography and acting out, but it was definitely still part of my life. And and that was where I was at. So it got better. I still couldn't quit. I did eventually stop sexting. And that was really amazing for me because it felt like there was something worse about the fact that I, I, I was in an addiction where I would be acting out sexually with another person. And that felt more like, well, I eventually want to be in a relationship and sexting feels a lot more like cheating than looking at pornography does. And so if I can't control my sexual behaviors with other people, how am I going to be in a relationship? I would be like out of control and unable to control cheating behavior. So I really went all in on that. And again, with George and being a part of that group, that really helped. And then ultimately what really helped also was stopping using social media. So I changed the passwords on my Facebook and Instagram because that was where I would mostly act out. And so when I lost access to that, that also significantly helped. And in the beginning of 2020, I stopped sexting permanently, haven't since, haven't had temptation since. So that was a, a big win for me. But again, throughout 2020, coming into 2021, still struggling with porn use. And what happened was I moved to San Diego in, uh, well, I moved to California in late 2020 and then down to San Diego in early 2021. And I was totally blessed with an incredible community of many, many people who were really outspoken and against pornography and how it hijacks your brain, how it hurts your intimate relationships, how it hurts your relationship, man to women, hurts your relationship with yourself. And in that same time period that I was starting to hang out with a lot of guys, men and women, but a lot of men who were, who had quit pornography, who were very outspoken about its harmful effects. I really started to think more about it. And, and what happened was I had quit sexting and I couldn't quit porn. So what I started to do, I was, I would track my porn use. I say, all right, I'm going to write it down and track it. And when I couldn't, what happened was I wasn't able to stop. So I would say, okay, you know, Monday, no, Tuesday, no, Wednesday, no, Thursday. Yes. I looked at it and it just felt so bad. I felt so much shame and anger and frustration again. And so I said, you know what, on a deeper level, I knew I was addicted and I couldn't stop. But on the surface level, I told myself a lie of, well, you know, it's not as bad as sexing or having sex uncontrollably with women and acting out in other ways. So Porn's not really an addiction for me. It's just something that I do once in a while. And I'm not going to track it because when I track it, I feel worse about myself. So it's not really an addiction. And that's what helped me sleep at night, but it wasn't the truth. And so the truth came to light again by being surrounded by people who spoke openly about the fact that porn generally is an addiction, or at least it's very harmful. And so hearing that over and over again made me realize, okay, this is an addiction and I'm in the right place to get help. So 
I realized it was a problem and I said, okay, I want to quit. Now I'll tell you a little bit about how I did quit and how quickly it actually happened and how kind of seamless it was. But keep in mind that from 2013 until 2021, eight years, I was doing a lot of inner work, inner exploration, releasing shame and pain, journals, dialogues, meditations for years. So I feel like what I did this year solidified it and was probably the most impactful tools and strategies I used to quit pornography. And at the same time, I built a major, major foundation to get to this point where I could walk away from it. So don't discount that it was a journey for me and it might be for you too, depending on where you're at and how new you are to self-improvement work or how spiritual you've been over the years. So keep in mind that I, I worked with numerous coaches and therapists, including George Collins, a sex addiction specialist. So I put in a lot of groundwork first, but it's 2021. I get to San Diego. I'm starting to hang out in different personal development meetups, you know, all these different types of things. And even going to a local church, uh, non-denominational, that was the people, these people were talking about it. And so now I'm like, okay, I'm going to quit. I'm also doing a lot of men's work and uh, sort of reclaiming my masculine energy. I read No More Mr. Nice Guy. I've talked about that on the podcast. And so I go to this men's retreat, camping, doing guy stuff, competitions. And at that point, I think it had been a couple weeks at least, I had not looked at pornography. And at that retreat, again, a lot of men openly talking about how uh, damaging pornography is. And so I come back from this retreat and I start hanging out with more guys who are in these types of communities. And I start to say, you know, I'm at, I'm at 30 days. I, I haven't looked at porn for you. I remember being with some young guys, like, you know, I'm 34 and I'm hanging out with these guys in the early twenties and I'm sharing with them. It's day 70. I haven't looked at porn 70 days. And I would see some of their reactions. Like I was giving them hope. I was inspiring them. I knew that if I kept on this journey, I'd be able to help these men. And so one of the things that you might want to consider doing if you're looking to quit porn is think about the impact that you can have on other people when you go on this walk. And it might be you haven't started the walk yet. It might be that you've just started it and you haven't seen it to completion yet. But think about who you'll be as a person in this planet when you're sober and you're able to support and even just give hope. Like there are people who say, okay, once you hit 90 days, no porn, go join a group and go volunteer and go, yeah, that's great. Go serve people. And I get it. But just being able to walk into a room and share, Hey, I haven't looked at porn in six months and I used to be addicted for 20 years. Even if you can just legitimately say that, you can change someone's day, you can change their life, you can change their attitude, you can give them hope and possibility and strength. Because people who had done that when I was in the room gave me hope that I could do this too. So one of the big things that helped me in 2021 kind of put the seal on this thing for good and really finalize my struggles with pornography was connecting with younger guys who you could see were struggling with this and seeing their reaction to me sharing that I was doing this and that I was starting to have success with this. So just that alone was a huge inflection point in my recovery because I saw, 
I can give people hope. I can help other people with this. And also I've always wanted to, I've talked about, I've done a lot of podcast episodes on how to quit porn and I've had to have guests on and Matt Dobshoots, the host of Porn Free Radio and other people, because I didn't feel qualified to really talk about this stuff myself because I wasn't totally sober of it. And so one of the things I've also done is when it's pleasure versus pain. So pornography, especially in my early mid twenties, when I didn't even know it was a problematic type of behavior for me, I didn't know how damaging it is in general for humans to use pornography. It gave me a lot of pleasure and no pain. I mean, it was giving me pain. I just wasn't aware of it. So I was like feeling like this is a great pleasurable thing with no pain. And now being more in community, being more invested in this and being more of hopefully being able to inspire others, not using porn has become extremely pleasurable because I feel good about myself. I feel proud of my behaviors. I feel like I can inspire others, serve, contribute, grow, feel certain and secure in who I am. Like all these positive, so all the pleasure comes from actually not looking at porn. And there would be a ton of pain if I did. I would have to start over in terms of my counter, at least. I wouldn't be able to help people as much. I wouldn't have the credibility. So now using porn would become actually all pain and no pleasure or a little pleasure, but you know, obviously. 99% pain, 1% pleasure versus it being the other way around. So that was huge for me initially to um, really quit. Now, the next thing that I started to do was I found a local in-person 12-step program. And I had worked with, again, George Collins, amazingly supportive. He used to go to 12-step programs in California, up in Northern California when he first moved there from the East Coast. And he used to then ultimately lead 12-step programs. And I got a ton of value out of working with him directly. And I also see the value of doing something in-person, 12-step, run by someone who's sober and other people in the program who are really invested in their recovery. So... What I found was having real relationships with real people where you're meeting in person regularly felt like a big game changer for me. And again, I can say, oh, I quit porn this year, but we got to look at the whole picture of in 2016 and 17, I probably had so much shame about who I was and the behaviors I was engaging in that it would have been really hard for me to walk into a room and be open and vulnerable in a setting like the one I'm in now. So if that feels like too much for you, I would say try anyway, because I wish I had just gone straight into this. But if you can't start to do the work on yourself, start to work with someone one-on-one to build up to a point where you can walk into a room and really do this with other people. Um, you know, one of the quotes that I love is the opposite of addiction is connection. And so starting to replace porn and porn-like behaviors with human connection was much more fulfilling. And so that was really helpful too. And being in person, hearing from leaders in the community, hearing from people who've overcome what I had overcome, being invested in the process, wanting to be a leader in these recovery meetings as well. And knowing that in order to do that, I would need to achieve this myself, all contributed to sobriety. 
essentially bringing a lot of light to my porn addiction because addiction grows in the dark and darkness. So I've had people even reach out to me for coaching around these things. And you can tell when someone is so shame-based, which makes sense because these activities come from shame. And then when you can't stop, they create more shame. But if I'm on the phone with someone, and this has happened to me a number of times where they, they're interested in coaching or they're interested in, in sobriety, and they can't even tell me on the phone in a super safe, private, quiet, um, confidential setting what they're struggling with, I know that they're not going to get their freedom from their addiction because if they can't even tell me, they're obviously not telling their loved ones in their lives. They're not telling themselves in the mirror. They're not talking to some other people that where they could be getting support around it. So it was really, really powerful to have people that I could talk to in person around this and bring a lot of light onto the addictive behavior. That was really helpful. And the other thing too, was getting a lot of mentorship in community from people who had walked this walk. So I had started to have friends and started to build more relationships with these men who had had the same issues and overcome these issues. And so I would have a lot of people I could talk to about this. And again, one of my favorite quotes is you're the average of the five people you spend your most time with. So I'm now all five of my most time with people are not looking at pornography and that actually starts to rub off on you. So that was super helpful. And then the, one of the other things I'll say is I had some really special mentorship from people who believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. And so over the past call it five, six months of not looking at pornography and really locking this into a point where I have no temptation, no desire, no close calls. A lot of it was, I was hanging out with people who were mentoring me, who knew I could do it, even if I didn't feel like I could do it. And that applies to quitting pornography. But after I quit porn early this year, April one, kind of in that time frame, I spent another six weeks or so masturbating somewhat regularly. And then had some people in my life share that that is, can, can be equally detrimental because if you're envisioning these fantasies from past pornographic use, you're still kind of reliving that type of behavior, even if you don't think you are. And so I remember, I've told this story to a couple of friends recently, but I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I just quit porn. I, I feel like I'm never going to go back. This is so exciting, but masturbation is different. That's like, it's just like a guy thing. That's just like a behavior that you have to do. It's, it's, biologically not possible to quit that or certainly extremely, extremely difficult, like way too hard. Something like, you know, 1.01% of 1% of people could do it's for like reserved for like monks or Jesus himself. But of course I could not do that. I could not stop that. And I, I was thinking about it. I had people in my life encouraging me to look at that. And so I initially reached out to a guy I knew and I sat down for coffee with him and I told him like, look, I quit porn. This is exciting, but this you know, masturbation thing, like it's crazy. Right. And he said, no, it's not crazy at all. You got to quit and you can. And so it's time to stop. And I said, I pushed back, but yeah, but I, that's crazy. Like, is that even possible physically as a man? And you know, how does that have work? And he, he didn't really answer any of my questions. He just looked at me and he said, Brendan, it's not something that I believe we're meant to do. I believe that uh, you're on a path towards getting married and having a lot of exciting physical intimacy with your future wife. And 
frankly, it's not something that I do. And I, I really think that, I don't even think he said you really think he said just something like, yeah, it's over or something of that nature. And I said, okay. And I really respected his opinion, but I definitely, definitely was not convinced because even George, um, Collins, who I've been mentioning was saying, oh, you know, you can kind of do it once a week and, you know, I can do it as much or as little as I want, but I was exploring this idea of quitting that too. And so I then called another friend, a guy from that uh, men's retreat I went on and I asked him about, it. I said, Hey James, I quit porn, but this other thing, masturbation. And he just started saying the same thing that the first guy said, you know, you got to stop, take it all out. If you, if you masturbate, you're a thousand times more likely to then look at porn and you want to just kind of eradicate everything there. And I said, all right, <laughs> all right. Two out of two, I'll go for one more, like get a third opinion on this. Cause again, this is like, this is something I've been doing for over 20 years that helped me manage painful emotions. It's something that it felt good and something I didn't never even thought was possible to stop. Certainly I couldn't, maybe someone like a David Goggins, like one of these types of psychos who runs a hundred mile races, maybe they can do, but I can't do this. And so I went and I got mentorship from a, um, a third person, the guy who uh, co-runs these 12 step meetings I've been going to. And I asked him, I said, Hey man, I quit porn and I love that. I have no temptation. This is so freeing. What, but what about this masturbation thing? Like, you know, that's, that's okay. Right. And he just looked at me and he said, Brendan, for the two years leading in before I met my now wife, I did not masturbate once. And I was just like totally floored and taken aback. And again, surrounded by people who were doing something, which made it so much easier for me mentally and to actually believe that I could do it too. And so I said, all right, I'm done. And that was it. And I have obviously not done it since. So I think the point of that whole story is surrounding yourself with people who hold themselves to very high standards, surrounding people yourself to people who hold you to high standards and surrounding yourself with people who believe that you can do something even when you don't believe you can do it yourself. Because I remember being in New York and being at some party and I was, had just kind of randomly mentioned that I didn't use porn. Like someone came up with porn. I thought, Oh, I don't, I don't watch porn. And again, that was not permanent. Obviously I had gone back to it since, but I was in this phase of, of quitting and trying to quit. And this guy looked at me and when I said that I didn't look at porn and he looked at me and he said, what are you not a man? <laughs> Hold on. I got some laughter button over here. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, I, <laughs> I was surrounding myself back then with people when I said I didn't look at porn would question my masculinity and my manhood. And now I'm surrounding myself with people who, if I'm even masturbating and we're looking at pornography, they're calling me out and telling me you can do this and you should do this. And so that really contributed to my recovery there. And then a few other things that helped were having again, more friendships, like-minded friendships with people who share these values. So I mentioned earlier in the show, Matt Dobshutes, I've had him on my podcast a number of times now, and his story is really inspiring of him doing recovery and having sobriety from pornography for I think at least 10 years and hosting the podcast porn free radio. Me wanting to do that. Also, I reached out to him and built a friendship with him 
And so it got to the point where when I, when this happened in the beginning of this year, when I said, all right, I'm going all in, I'm quitting porn. I had another, I mean, I had one of the best national resources at my disposal to talk to me a few times about this and sent me a couple of worksheets that were super helpful. And he had a course that I did. So continue to think about who you can surround yourself with and who can be supportive people on this process for you. Because when I was ready to go all in and really handle this thing, I was already good friends with one of the national experts on how to quit pornography. And I'm not saying that because I'm so special. I'm just saying this is something I've been working out for a while. This is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. I had surrounded myself with people who had already done it. I'd surrounded myself with people who could support me in doing that as well. I had supported him and poured into our friendship by being there for him in other ways. And so it's like, that was also really helpful because I created a plan and I said, okay, if I look at pornography anytime in the next month, I'm going to shave my beard. And if I don't look at porn, I'm going to go out for an awesome dinner. And I told a bunch of friends about the plan. So, and in, in part two of this episode, we'll really get into even more like specific actionable things that you can do to quit pornography. These were just some of the things that I had done leading into this year, building a foundation of inner transformation and support systems. And then ultimately what happened this year to, um, yeah, to become, have this sobriety. And I just want to say where I am now, it's not like I've been sober for 10 years. So, you know, who knows, knock on wood, but it's like, this is, there's something very different about this version of my sobriety. Cause like, like I've said, I've had 30 days, maybe 60 days. I've been able to take the frequency way down, but I've never gone this long without masturbating. I've never gone this long without looking at porn. And I've never gone this long either with literally no temptation whatsoever, like no desire, no need, no cravings, no late night fights or battles. So it's been really, really good, obviously. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. And we're going to do two more episodes on this. And so in the second episode, the second part of this series, I'm going to be talking, it's going to be on quitting. And I'm going to talk more about the, the group meetings that I've gone to and specifically what I gained from those experiences that have helped me to quit. Um, I'm going to talk more about patience and how this is something I initially started again in really 2013, but then a little bit more formally in 2016. And that it's not going to help to beat yourself up or to say, you know, when is this going to happen or I'm never going to get there because it will if you stay persistent with it. And I did a lot of inner transformation over the years to help me get to this place. And then uh, we'll also talk a little bit about replacement behaviors. So what can you do instead? And what will you do instead? Because when you quit porn, you're probably going to have a lot more time back in your life, especially if you're using it every day or every other day. Like I was using it a, probably every day. And so I had a lot more white space and free time to surf and grow my business and build community and do other fun things. So you can also start to think now about, Hey, when you quit, what else are you going to get to spend your time doing? Because get ready for some exciting opportunities there and some more white space. And then in the third episode, we'll talk about, I'll talk about what I call maintenance. And so what am I doing now? Now that it's not in my life, what specific steps am I taking to stay on this path, both in terms of like things that I'm doing, people I'm spending time with, community I'm involving myself with, et cetera. And then even down to practicalities of 
blocking certain websites, knowing my triggers, knowing what's not safe for me to do, things of that nature. So we'll get into that in the next two episodes. But thank you for coming on this journey with me in the first episode of this three-part podcast series on how I quit porn. I'll see you for the next one. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Brendan Burns Show. If it's your first time here, please make sure to subscribe on the Apple Podcasts app or in Spotify. Also, please leave us a rating or written review. This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.